Hospitals around the country are assessing their preparedness for dealing with potential Ebola cases. But what are the data privacy and security considerations that they should be taking as part of this planning? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Brad Rostalski, a privacy and security attorney at law firm Reed Smith. Brad will discuss some of the privacy and security issues that healthcare organizations should be prepared to deal with if faced with testing or caring for potential Ebola patients. Hi, Brad. Hey, how are you? Good. So now, Brad, if a hospital is faced, for instance, with caring for an Ebola patient or even a suspected Ebola case, obviously there's lots of chaos and concern, including that among healthcare staff. That concern includes workers' own personal health and safety. There's a lot of things to remember about wearing special garments so that no skin is exposed. What kind of measures should hospitals be putting in place now so that security and privacy doesn't fall to the wayside in these chaotic and potentially dangerous cases? It's interesting. Ultimately, something like the borderline chaos that Ebola can bring about in the hospital or healthcare setting is both unique and not all that unique in a paper privacy and security context. Importantly, the most important thing that hospitals, providers, and their workforce can keep in mind with respect to the privacy and security of information associated with Ebola patients is that at a very base level, the protected health information and the prohibitions against disclosure and and all of the other obligations that folks have with respect to the information are really no different than if someone comes in with the flu or is having surgery, etc. So in terms of best preparation, as folks at these facilities know the potential for Ebola to come to their facility, the most important prudent and, frankly, relatively easy thing to do is to consider having a refresher training. And during that training, refocus people on on their obligations, on what they can and can't do under HIPAA, under the policies and procedures of the facility, and maybe take the time to call out Ebola and say, look, it's really, really important that you treat this information the way you would treat any other health information that you're dealing with for any other patient that you're caring for or that's in the facility generally that you're not caring for. It's sort of like the situation that that folks in these facilities deal with when a celebrity is receiving treatment. It's important to keep in mind that there's an interest in understanding and seeing what's happening, and there's certainly an interest in talking with folks in your non-professional life about this interesting thing that's happening at your facility, but you just can't do it. Now, the reason it's unique is unlike celebrity treatment or other other issues when you have family members or friends that are there and you just want to check up on them or, or folks are interested in, and you want to facilitate that interest, Ebola is very scary. And the scare factor, the fear associated with Ebola being present kind of brings a new aspect to that, that interest in looking into a record and saying to a family member or a friend, 
oh my gosh, we've got this going on here. We all need to be a little bit more careful and vigilant or, or whatever the case may be. And I think in addition to the privacy and security considerations, the, the non-privacy and security considerations can help quell that. My sense is that from everything that we are hearing from the government, from hospitals that are treating Ebola patients right now and other experts in the field, as much as it's incredibly scary, as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's really that direct contact that brings about the, the risk of contracting Ebola. So ultimately, understanding the realities of transmission and kind of appreciating how likely it is or how unlikely it is for that to occur should help to kind of tamper down the fear reaction and allow folks to handle the health information appropriately. Brad, as you said, suspected Ebola cases or maybe even actual Ebola cases can attract a lot of record snooping, whether it's out of curiosity, out of worry, or whatever. What should hospitals be doing to prevent and detect record snooping in these situations? It's a challenging question to answer only because it really it really gets back to the basics of HIPAA compliance and general compliance efforts. The most important thing that enables a facility to properly keep track of what's happening is to have those capabilities in place to begin with. So much like with preparing for audits, something like Ebola and the current situation is is just another example of why cover entities and business associates should ensure that they've got the appropriate safeguards in place and the appropriate measures in place to track audit trails, et cetera. And with Ebola and everything going on with Ebola happening right now, it wouldn't be imprudent to maybe ramp up the the spot checks to ensure that things are happening appropriately. Other than kind of refresher training with a, with a focus on the Ebola situation, as well as having those conversations, you know, at, at the top level with the security team to ensure that folks that are in charge of those security measures are looking at the right things and maybe looking at those things more frequently on a regular basis and reporting to the uh, to the leadership. I'm not sure there's much else to do there. When it comes to the privacy and security-related advice that you might have for employers when it comes to workers who volunteer to help Ebola patients in West Africa and then they come back to the U.S. Is there anything that these employers need to do? I know there's been obviously controversy about that American nurse, Casey Hickox, who came back from helping patients in West Africa, and then she was put in isolation at the airport, and then a legal battle with Maine, which tried to quarantine her. What advice do you have for these sort of situations when people finally go back to work or even if they are quarantined because of not necessarily having Ebola but they're being placed under any sort of mandatory quarantine? From a HIPAA perspective, it's all kind of the same thing. You know, these folks that that are appropriately interested, you know, whether it be curiosity or, you know, concern for their own health and well-being, you know, they just need to be reminded that, 
you know, looking at somebody's records inappropriately could result in penalties. And, and very likely, most covered entities and business associates will include in their penalties for violations of the policy you know, something up to and including termination. Now, that being said, you know, Ebola isn't only impacting folks regulated under HIPAA. And I think the message to, you know, to everyone generally here should be twofold. One, there's a message that should go out to the individuals, employees who may be dealing with these issues or have coworkers that are dealing with these issues. And I think the simple message there is be forthright. Talk to your, your HR folks. Talk to your the people that you work for. And if you have any concerns, please be straightforward about it. Let people know what you're thinking, what your concerns are, so that it's out in the open and there's less of a likelihood for folks to start doing any uh, behind-the-scenes snooping. In terms of the employers, I'd be doing you a disservice if I tried to get too far into the weeds on that, but I would suggest that talking with your employment lawyer now, getting a plan in place, understanding where where the limitations are in terms of what you can do, what you can say, what actions you can take are from the get-go before you're dealing with the situation would be the most prudent thing to do. There's also been some online scams involving Ebola, ranging from fake treatments to fake charities. These fake sites and related phishing emails could also potentially be infected with malware. What's your advice for dealing with that? I would suggest that before folks start giving to a charity or looking into you know, treatments online, much like any other sort of phishing or, or other email-related security problem that's been developed, I would say take the initiative to go to the charity yourself and do a little digging to make sure it's legitimate. Much like the situation where you, you get a phone call or an email saying, hey, this is your bank, please give us XYZ password so that we can proceed with this phone call. The easy answer is always, you know what, give me a phone number or, or let, you know, let, let me call the number on the back of my card and tell me who to connect to, who to ask for, and we'll continue that conversation. If the general public wants to participate in donating to a charity, even if you see stuff online that, that looks interesting in terms of where to donate, do a little digging and initiate that interaction yourself. A quick Google search or, or some other inquiry could probably pretty quickly describe what the five to ten biggest charities out there dealing with Ebola are. It might be most prudent and safest to give to those charities, but I would be very wary if you were being solicited by email. I I would not respond to an email and donate. seems like a risk not worth taking there. You can take other actions. In terms of the treatments, I would say that if if someone is concerned about Ebola issues in terms of receiving medical care, the most prudent thing to do is to call your doctor and have your primary care physician put you in contact with an infectious disease specialist or, or even call an infectious disease specialist in your area as opposed to, to looking online. Now, hopefully the Ebola crisis will get under control in West Africa soon and the threat of Ebola cases in the U.S. and elsewhere will diminish. Once that hopefully happens and once the fear and the hype die down, do you think we'll see any breach litigation or enforcement actions against any of the healthcare organizations that were involved in Ebola cases? It wouldn't be shocking, but, but not because of the connection to Ebola. I, from a HIPAA perspective, the only really unique aspect to privacy and security issues involving Ebola is the fact that it's involving Ebola. It's newsworthy and it's 
something that folks are, are interested in reading about and, and, and that reporters are interested in writing about. So unfortunately, when hospitals and other providers are providing care to Ebola patients, that makes the news. And when things make the news, the regulators become aware of it. And if, if issues develop as a result of that care or patients being at that XYZ facility, and you know aspects of that situation have made the regular news, as opposed to even the trade press, the, the government pays attention. So it's, it would not be shocking to me, but I, I don't think the issues associated with any such enforcement action or investigation will be incredibly unique other than the fact that it's more in the public eye. So this is another, just another great example of the need for you know, compliance preparedness. The Ebola situation right now is representative of any sort of very public situation that could result in snooping. And this is the right time. Now is absolutely the right time then to ensure that your workforce understands what the rules of the road are. In addition to something like the Ebola situation, you know, kind of triggering that sort of compliance effort, it goes back to, to the much less, I guess, general newsworthy topic, but still something very important to those of us in the field, you know, the OCR audit. Anything that you're doing in furtherance of beefing up or reinforcing or buttressing your compliance efforts with respect to the Ebola situation can only better serve you in light of an audit. So I think that generally speaking, folks should should really take some time right now to ensure that their policies say what they want them to say and that the folks uh, on the ground in the workforce appreciate what those policies say and understand their obligations. Thanks, Brad. I've been speaking to attorney Brad Rostalski. I'm Marian Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.